You're listening to the highlights from the Creative Process interview with Michael Marin. To listen to the full interview or hear more about the Creative Process projects, please visit www.creativeprocess.info. Michael Marin, welcome to the Creative Process. Thanks, man. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, so, I mean, it's interesting. I don't know how you like to define yourself. You're a writer, you're a director, you came up as a, as a foreign war correspondent, as a volunteer. Um, you know, it's quite an interesting trajectory, I think, for anyone, you know, who might want to become a director. So just, could you describe how you fell in love with telling stories? Um, you know, when I, I mean, it's funny, when I was in, okay, I'll tell you that when I was in fifth grade, we used to write, they used to have a little creative writing thing and people would write stories. I, I, and I don't know why I did this, but we were all, I remember everyone else in the class was starting their student stories with, you know, so I woke up in the morning and I went to the blah, blah. I decided I just, I, again, I'm, I don't know, I'm nine years old. Um, I just cut to the chase and talked about being in the air with the go-kart rolling over. And the teacher was blown away. Um, and she, in fifth grade, she said, you're a really good writer. Yeah. And I never forgot that. I mean, very, very much a natural journalist in, in, in that way. And um, um, I had a lot of opportunities to get involved in things overseas, whether it was to stay in aid work or, or to, to work for, uh, um, when I got out of graduate school, offers to like join financial institutions and, um, yes. you know, World Bank kind of stuff. And then, you know, there's a lot of, or, or investment banking and stuff. I, ha- I have a master's from Columbia. Um, but I took a job for $17,000 a year um, writing for um, this little magazine about Africa. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, and, I, and it gave me the opportunity to keep traveling and keep reporting. And, uh, you know, I just loved it. I loved it for years and years. Mm. Um, and, and, and part of my, my interest in, in, in Africa came um, from watching movies, you know, movies set in Africa as a kid. And I actually tried my hand at writing screenplays during the 1980s a couple of times just by myself. Mm-hmm. And um, actually trying to option uh, in the mid, I was reporting out of Uganda in, in the mid 80s when Yori um, Museveni, um, who's now the president, was, was a um, was still a guerrilla leader fighting against the, the, the regime. And during that time, I, I was sort of out and in in sleeping outside and doing a lot of stuff. I, I, had, I read a copy of Patricia Highsmith's The Talented Mr. Ripley. And I thought, wow, this would make a great movie. Um, when I got back to New York, I, I, at one point I called, but I realized that the, you know, the rights had been owned for many, many years and um, I wasn't about to get the rights to, to make a screenplay. My mentor in journalism was was a guy named Richard Ben Kramer, mm-hmm. um, one of the great journalists of all time. And I met Richard in, in Africa in the early 1980s. And Richard taught me one thing. He said, he said, every five minutes as a journalist, stop and ask yourself, what's the story? What's the story? <clears throat> and And the point is, in, you can walk into any world and kind of get lost in the details. But when you know the story, you know the story you're trying to tell, then you know what, what the details are you need to pay attention to. 
And now Shriver, you're working on the great cast. Um, what attracted yeah. you to, to, to that book, which again, it's a, a more domestic, not a family now, but writers. Just, just the, t tell us about the story and what drew you to it. The idea of imposter syndrome. Yes. So it's sort of this writer who um, has, for, has written this book, but he's forgotten he's written the book. He's totally blacked it out. Uh -huh. um, and he's on his way to a writer's conference. Uh -huh. uh, and, and it really has to do, I think a lot of people have that. I think, I think it's kind of a, uh, and I think it's not, it's not, I don't think it's unique to the arts, uh -huh. but a sense of like, wow, how did I get here? Do I really deserve this? Uh -huh. I certainly have felt that, you know, there are times when it's like, wow, I mean, um, I, I, I did this, 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 and suddenly, you know, here I am standing on the set directing a movie. Mm. Well, this is really cool. I mean, I, I love directing a movie. I mean, there's nothing I'd rather be doing than being on a set where I'm directing. So you're working on uh, Shriver. That will be coming out soon, or? Well, we have still eight days of filming left. We, yes. had, a, we, had, a, we had a bailout during COVID. Um, uh -huh. I, 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 we were shooting in Los Angeles. I, I you know, thought maybe we could push through those last days of filming. Um, yeah. But ultimately it just became untenable. Sure. So we're still in discussions about how to bring the cast back together, how, how to, because I need everybody, um, the entire right. cast in one place. So I don't, I don't know how we're going to end up doing this. Um, we'll figure it out. I, I, I'm, I'm positive okay. and we'll finish the movie. Yes, and you've taught for a number of years as well. You taught screenwriting, so you you when you speak of the case system, or you speak you, from experience. What was some of your advice to students, uh, emerging screenwriters? You know, I used to. I, I I've when I've taught, I, I people are always interested in like they want to talk about how to get an agent, how to how to in, a business. And, and, you know, they're they're very into the business of it. Um, uh, uh, I've always, I've always, there's, there's a line I always use from it's Steve Martin, actually, um, who said, how do you, how do you get ahead? You've got to be so good that they can't ignore you or worse to that effect. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think it's really about de really developing, but it's, but it's also focusing, focusing, focusing. You've got to know what you want to do. You need Right. I mean, I think it's true. You really have to, I mean, there's a craft, obviously, but the, you should be in love with your project if you expect others to fall in love with it. So. I want to, be, you know, before we go, I do want to talk about this other form of storytelling, which is interesting that's come, you know, in the years since you started off as being a journalist, is uh, podcasting. And I think that you've just come from doing a dramatic podcast. And well, I'm writing one with podcasting The future of journalism. Yes. Oh, my wife is my wife. My wife has uh, a successful podcast, mm -hmm. um, and uh, so Danny Shapiro. We should say Danny Shapiro. Yeah, it's called it's called Family Secrets, um, and she did that ba based on some things she learned from from the last book she wrote, which we don't have to get into that. Yes. Um, but what it made me th the interesting thing about podcasting is that the barriers to entry. You know, it costs even it costs millions of dollars to make a movie. Mm -hmm. um, usually, I mean, you can do it. You can make it. There's all kinds of stories of people who shot them on an iPhone and made them inexpensively. Yeah, but but the, but to do a podcast, you know, you 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 need a 
bunch of people on a microphone and a lot of imagination. You know, there's been a whole lot of things happening now where podcasts have turned, have been purchased and turned into television shows. Yeah, and um, very the show Home, yeah, Homeland on Amazon, I think, and as the, was one of the first ones. Mm -hmm. And now, if you, if there's a whole bunch of them, because what it does is it allows you to test an audience very, very inexpensively. Mm -hmm. And they're loyal, yeah. And they're loyal, and if you get an audience for a podcast, then um, you know, then then people, then the studios are buying them up. And and now there's kind of a, been a little bit of a, a frenzy, and everybody's kind of getting into the business. And there's two, there's like thousand new podcasts a day coming out. And now, um, you know, it's one. I'm really discouraged by, you know. I'm sure my politics have kind of shown through what I've been talking about here, but, but that, you know, our president right now screaming fake news and everything that's true. You know, if he screams fake news, you know, it's true. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and there's a misunderstanding of, of, of journalism, what journalists do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I mean, he's at, at this moment, I mean, I, at this moment, he's upset because the New York times has broken the story that, about Russians paying bounties to Afghans to kill American soldiers, mm -hmm. right? And so there's been attacks on the New York Times. The reality is that story came from inside his administration. It came from somebody very close to him who was upset about the way things went. Journalists report stuff and they're not making news. Um, and so, but, but journalists have become reviled by, by the right wing in this country as, as they were you know, anytime there, there's a rise of authoritarianism, journalists become the enemy number one because the truth is the first victim of, of, of any kind of authoritarianism. Yeah. So journalists are needed now more than ever, real journalists doing, doing real work. What do, you, what do you feel about, as you consider the future, um, um, and uh, the importance of the arts, but you know, in other ways we may also get engaged? You know, I'm more optimistic. My, my son is 21 years old now, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and he's a junior in, in college. Mm -hmm. If they go, if they get to go back to college this year, because I don't know if they will. Um, I love his generation, and I'm very disappointed in mine. You know, I mean, I'm a, I'm just too young to have been drafted to go to Vietnam mm -hmm. by a couple of years. Um, I had a draft card. I burned it. Nobody cared. Uh, but, um, you know, I thought the 60s generation would kind of hang on and, 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 but the 60s generation has become kind of calcified and, 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 and conservative and, uh, I think protective of their own wealth in, in, a, in a very strange way. Um, and, you know, but I see my son's generation and, and for the, for the most part, maybe it's just his friends, um, but they, they seem to be um, aware of things, both, both in terms of, um, you know, uh, racially. And, and I mean, like my son had, had a friend, he, was, he kept talking about some friend of his friend of his friend of his, and, it, and, and I met the kid, and, you know, and he was African-American. And it, it, and it was interesting because he never thought to mention, mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't, it wasn't the first thing that came to his mind when, when describing his friend. Or if a friend of his is gay, or or, or whatever. I I, I think um, I'm seeing in his generation. He was born in 1999. Um, born in, born into a world that that is inclusive. That 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 does have a sense of justice. That that um, 
And these are the kids out on the streets today marching for, for Black Lives Matter. I mean, there's people from my generation and um, doing it as well and, and, and in other generations. But, but I, 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 I see in that generation, I, I don't know, you know, I may be fooling myself, but I, I see the, a real sense of the environmental issues that we're, we're, we're all dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, which I still think is the largest, you know, it, it, I, I think the environment uh, and, and the, the, the horrible exploitation of it that, that's going on in Brazil right now, but also in, in, in the United States under the Trump administration is really uh, uh, something that reverberates right through in terms of income, income inequality and, and, and racial justice and, and, and all of that. I, I hope this younger generation understands, you know, I'm, I'm sorry about the world we, we've left them. Yeah. Um, well, you, what, you've given so much in terms of your example of, you know, not just doing that within your own country, but going to India and then to Africa and all these things, uh, and to, to, to risk your life to tell these stories that aren't being told. So I, I, I want to thank you, um, uh, Michael Marin, for your, your stories um, through journalism and film, foreign and domestic, uh, for the depth of your empathy and compassion. We're looking forward to seeing a Shriver in cinemas and your other projects at podcasts um i want to thank you uh for adding your voice thank you mia this this has been fun want to get involved with expeditions or interviews email us at team at creativeprocess.info thank you for listening